welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. All right, testing. One, two, check. Just making sure you can hear my voice and hear my guitar okay, and um, everything sounds okay. Let me know, please. Testing. One, two. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Todd. Hey. Hey, Rick. Awesome. This is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Now, just so you know, uh, what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to be showing you five and probably more tips that I think are really important to uh, guide you toward better guitar solos. Now, I've been teaching guitar for many, many, many years, and I've had many students worldwide. And I think one of my favorite subjects to talk about is soloing and getting people to kind of understand how some of us that have been playing a long time kind of perceive soloing and and oftentimes it's different than you think it is and that's what i'm excited about tonight is showing you some of these things and getting you to think kind of outside the box that you might be in thinking you know every time i solo you know it just sounds like i'm playing scales and that sort of thing so that's what i'm going to help you with today hey everybody thank you so much for being here now i'm going to let you know that we're going to turn the chat off for me Um, That way I'm not interrupted and I can help you as much as possible for the next few minutes here and uh, give you my undivided attention. Okay, so let's go ahead and get going. So the first thing I want to talk about is that when we enter the world of soloing, I think for most of us, certainly for me, the first place we start is we start by learning how to play a scale, right? Maybe a teacher shows us how to play, you know, like a, a major scale or something like that. Um, Or maybe we learn how to play a pentatonic scale. So we practice this this element that I call by route, okay, or rudimentary practice, which is where you might set a metronome and you practice the same kind of motion over and over and over again. Okay, now that is a very beneficial style of practice to develop comfortability in the shape that you're learning. We'll call it a shape for now, whether it's a major scale or a pentatonic scale or something like that. Doing it over and over and over, maybe with a metronome or something like that, is going to develop a rudimentary sense of practice. What it doesn't give you is a creative perspective on how to approach making your solos sound more authentic, making them sound real, okay? So don't get me wrong. In my opinion, there, there, there really are no wrong things to practice. It's just depending on where you are and what you want, there might be things that are better to practice at that point in time. If you want to get fast and you want to be articulate and that sort of thing, and, and by fast, I don't just mean shredding. I mean, you know, if a song is, is 120 beats a minute, you've got quarter notes and eighth notes and 16th notes as an option. And, and all of those create what we'll talk about in, in, in our discussion today dynamic contrast, right? You don't want everything to be slow all the time because then it gets boring, but just the same, you don't want everything to be fast all the time because it gets boring too. So you wanna learn to use contrast. And again, we're gonna get to all of these things. So 
The first thing I want to talk to you about are four things that I think are really important when learning and performing a solo, when you're going to solo, okay? Number one is control. Now, control can mean a lot of different things. And again, we're going to go through these as we go. But the first thing is going to be control. Being able to execute something that you're doing on the guitar with confidence, with control, with a masterful execution, if you will. I hate using the word mastery because I don't know if any of us really master anything, but but you mean it. Like, so when, I, when I'm going to play, right, I've got some different camera angles I can do here. So as I'm playing... Now, I'm not doing anything really fancy at this point, but when I move, I move with comfortability, okay, with control. When I do a slide or I do a vibrato or I do a bend or something like that, again, don't get me wrong, I practice every day. I, I'm, I would never sit over on this side telling you that I'm so good and I know everything is so great. It's not that. It's that there are elements of my playing that I'm in tune with. I've been doing this long enough to where when I play them, they execute with control. There's always new things I can learn, just like you, right? But when I do play, I'm not playing with fear, right? I I know what I'm going to do. I know, and I don't necessarily know in what order everything's going to come out. But when I do play, I'm very comfortable with the, the motions that I make with my fingers and the way that I do my bands. and my vibrato and all those sorts of things. So control. Now we're gonna get deeper into all of this stuff, but I just wanna set you up with kind of understanding the overview of what to think about, okay? Now over the next however many minutes that we have this webinar, there's only so much we can, we can cover, which is why the guitar course might be the next best thing for you after this is to really kind of go deep into these things and figure out the whys and the hows. But um, so the second thing is, is connection. Connection to the music, not just having a jam track or a backing track playing and then you you know what key it's in so you go to pentatonic and you just start moving but learning how to really make an authentic connection to the music learning to listen and respond right learning to feel the music learning to feel the groove right learning to react to the music as it's happening the chord changes as it's happening the tempo right all of those kind of things and i've always used this analogy it's kind of like if you're on the interstate and you're driving, right, you come up next to another car or a car is passing you. And for whatever reason, the laws of physics makes one of the cars go faster or slower. And now you're driving right next to each other, right? So you're both going the same speed down the interstate, which is frustrating, right? But you're both going down the, 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 the interstate at the same speed. You're both moving at the same speed, but there's no interaction. What's ever happening in your vehicle and what's ever happening in their vehicle, you don't know each other. You're not having the same conversation. You know, you're not listening to the same music, whatever. You're just, you just happen to be going the same speed. And oftentimes with music, when we're, when we're learning how to solo, that's exactly what we're doing. We're just going out on YouTube and we're grabbing whatever uh, backing tracks and we're just doing the same routine, right? We're just moving the same way. We're not really reacting to the music. We're just mathematically going, well, it's in the key of A, so I'm going to play in the key of A. 
or it's in the key of C minor. So I'm going to move to C minor pentatonic. But we're not really paying attention. We're not really trying to figure out what's going on in the music. We're just doing this, right? We're not interacting at all. So I want you to think about that the next time that you try and solo is really learning to maybe listen to the, the, the backing track a few times before you ever even approach soloing to it, right? Get to know it a little bit. Because in the real world, if I was going to get up on stage and play with a band that I'm in, or maybe I, I'm just getting up with a band that I'm not in, but I'm going to jam with them, I don't necessarily want to wait till the last minute and uh, and then just hope that everything works out. It might be nice to have some prep beforehand to know what I'm getting into. Now, that doesn't always happen, but with my history of playing lots of songs and playing in lots of bands and things like that, the situations that I find myself in, again, I'm I'm comfortable, I'm confident that I can work my way through that particular situation because I've done a lot of things. I've I've done prep on my own. You know, maybe I've never played with this band before that I'm getting up to jam with, but I know the situations that I find myself in, whether it's a rock thing or a blues thing or a metal thing or whatever, and I've done preparatory work um, on my own to be able to, to do that. Or maybe they say, hey, we're going to be playing this song tonight, right? So I don't want to wait till the last minute. Maybe I do want to jam over it a few times to make sure I've got some ideas in my head of how to approach that. So again, just preparing, <clears throat> excuse me, preparing, being, being confident, right? And learning how to make some sort of connection to that music, finding the right tone for that particular backing track, right? If I'm just using the same sound for every single thing that I do, and some of them are a slow blues and some of them are a heavy whatever, maybe I'm not really finding the right, the right connection to that music, right? Maybe I need to, you know, maybe I need that. Right, but maybe I need, right? Now, I don't know how good this backing track's gonna work, but I'm gonna give it a try and see what happens, okay? So this is a backing track from uh, Elevated Jam Tracks. They've got some really great stuff um, for backing tracks. And, and um, so I don't know which one this is, but I know it's in G minor. So as I'm listening to this, is is that I'm just trying to make a musical connection. I'm trying to listen and I I right there there was a guitar there was a chord change coming. Okay? So I I, I want to be aware of that on some capacity whether I've charted this out which I haven't. Um but I you know if I really wanted to get involved with this I I certainly would. But um kind of know what those chords are so I can respond to those. But I can respond even just with my fretboard a little bit by going to different places, right? Doing different things. So I quiet down and I, and again, we're going to get to all of this. So again, I'm not wasting your time. I want you to think about these, get your head in a different brain space when you're thinking about soloing. So 
your tone, your approach to your toggle switch, your volume, all these things can make a huge difference in the way things sound when you go to jam over something. Be aware of that. Don't just you know go in with the same sound over everything, the same rudimentary thing every time because it's just gonna sound the same and you're gonna get bored and frustrated, right? So the third thing is comfort. Being comfortable. Comfortable with your guitar, comfortable with your amp, comfortable with your strings, right? Comfortable with your pickups, whatever these things are. Comfortable with your motions on the guitar, right? Maybe you don't know all your positions pentatonically or whatever it might be, right? Maybe you only know a, a couple of those. But being comfortable with those things that you've got leads to confidence, leads to control, you see? So finding comfort in the things that you use, you've noticed that I use a lot of the same gear. I'm not a, a gear junkie, right? I don't own a bunch of different amps and a whole bunch of different guitars and things like that. I own a few. I mean, I'm almost 50 years old. So, you know, I own a few different things, but it, I'm not on some sort of quest. If I can plug in and I can get a sound that works, like for me, my guitars are kind of where my comfort starts. Having the right strings on, you know, having, you know, I, I've played Ibanez my whole life. So, you know, EMG pickups, this sort of thing is kind of where my comfort lies. And so when I plug into an amp, I know I can get a lot of different sounds over the guitar just by changing the, the toggle switch or the pickup selector and my volume knob. Okay, I can get all these places that feel very good. It's a, it's a comfortable place for me to be, okay? So thinking about comfort is really important as well. Not just in your gear, but um, on your fretboard. And you can always push the levels. You can learn more. You can, you can learn different things. But then you want to take those and you want to make them, you want to bring them into a comfort zone so you can use them. And again, with that comfort brings confidence and control and all those other things. So, uh, And the last thing is, is playing with purpose. And we're going to get into that when we go into these five things, okay? So playing with purpose, giving your solo a purpose, a direction. When you're playing, you're going somewhere for a reason or you're doing something for a reason. You're not just, you know, just moving around because you're supposed to move around because that's what guitar players do. It, it, you know, I always think of soloing in, in certainly the bottom line of soloing is, is you're singing on the guitar. That's really what you're trying to do. Okay. You can go above and beyond and do other things, but at the base level, you should be singing on the guitar. So um, that's purpose. You know, you're trying to direct your movements or direct your licks or your phrasing or whatever to have a point over what you're soloing on. Uh, so fretboard control, that's number one. Fretboard control, fretboard mastery. Now, when I say this, please understand Go back to those four initial things that I was talking about. I'm not saying that you have to learn your entire fretboard before you ever learn how to solo. What I'm saying is, what I love the most about this guitar course is that I, I want it to meet you where you are already in your playing. If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step -step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. 
And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to guitarzoom.com. Now back to the podcast. So let's say you only know two positions on the guitar, right? Let's say you only know in pentatonic, you know your first position is what I call it. And you know your second position. Okay? So fretboard mastery to me means that you've got to gain control, right? over these two positions. You've got to learn how to manipulate these two positions so they become one, right? Which is where, um, okay, we'll get to that in just a second. So as I'm, I'm looking at my fretboard, I look down at my guitar and I see these two positions and they, they, the, the, it's almost like the frets light up, right? Like a, one of those fret light guitars or something like that. I can see them. So I'm looking. So instead of just practicing the rudiments of going down and up across these, these positions, which I want to do, what I'm starting to do is I'm starting to see how they connect together. And here's kind of the, the little trick to this or the secret to this is when I practice rudimentary stuff, I practice with certain fingers, right? So as I'm practicing this first position, I might be doing this finger, right? One, four, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, four, one, four. And then I come up here and again, from a rudimentary standpoint, I'm using two and four, and then one and four, one and four, one and three, two and four, two and four, right? Again, from a rudimentary standpoint, that totally makes sense. In the real world, when I start learning how to solo, those are not the fingers that I'm gonna wind up using because I'm coming from different places. I'm coming from somewhere and I'm going to somewhere. And these positions are just servicing my movements. They're like roadmaps. They're just servicing my ability to move around the fretboard. So logically, if I was here in the second position, I wouldn't be playing two and four with these two fingers because these two fingers are very <laughs> awkward, right? I'd much rather use one and three than two and four. Now again, from a rudimentary standpoint, using two and four makes sense because I want to develop those fingers and that's all great. But if I was actually jamming, I was improvising, I was on stage in front of 2,000 people playing, right? These fingers are gonna make more sense. That's where my confidence comes from. So as I'm working on my fretboard mastery, I'm not just working on rudimentary practice, but I'm really trying to think about my motions and the way I'm moving around the guitar, which leads us to number two, number one, fretboard mastery. Whatever it is you know, know it with mastery, know it with complete control, whether it's one position, two positions, three positions, and obviously you can continue learning more positions, which is great. The more control you have of your entire fretboard, the more freedom you have, believe me. Okay, so fretboard mastery is really important. Number two is the control of your movements. Okay, so this gets into, if you've ever heard me talk about meandering, right? Meandering is a great little technique that you can practice where you set the metronome at a nice slow speed. Let's say it's going, and I'm gonna play eighth notes. So I'm going bump, 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 bump. So I play. Okay, 
Now, if you've never heard me talk about mastery, what or meandering, excuse me, meandering to me is a great little technique. It's 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 not a at this point, it's not a musical thing. It's a control thing. So what you do is you set a metronome at a speed that you can handle, and I call it brain dead. And I don't mean that negatively. What I'm saying is you're not trying to make licks and all this sort of thing. What you're trying to do is see how long you can move at that speed on the metronome in eighth notes without stopping. And you don't just want to play down and up. It's not a rudimentary thing. What you're trying to do is throw your brain a bunch of different you know, left hooks and right hooks and jabs and all this kind of thing where you're just moving around. So dun, 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 dun. And what you do is you try and encompass whatever positions you're learning. Maybe it's these two positions or just one position. But you set the metronome so you're going to just jump over things and move around, but you can never stop. That's the, the key to meandering. And what you're doing is you're gaining improvisatory control, your ability of being able to play brainlessly. And again, I don't mean that negatively, okay? Even though it sounds like it, I don't mean it that way. Your, your, your ability to, to manipulate the fretboard without playing in a, manip, or in a rudimentary sense. Now, if the metronome's too fast, what's going to happen is you're going to keep stopping. And that should tell you, not I suck, but I need to turn down the tempo, right? I need to lower the tempo a little bit to find my comfort zone. And what you do is you just keep practicing this and developing your availability of being able to play brainlessly with the metronome as you keep increasing that speed. Now, the, the benefits to these, there's multitudes of benefits, but one is that you start learning how to play in a non-traditional rudimentary sense. So as you're moving, now I can slide in things too, right? So as I'm playing, Right, just over and over and over, just whatever, okay? So that's the first step. And, and what I'm doing is, is I'm training myself to be able to move in and out and get ready for the unknown, right? Because my pick and my slide and all these, and again, we're gonna get into some of these things as we keep going, but all of these things are all working together as I start moving around, you see? So as you continue trying to work on this meandering, you're going to find that a slide tends to happen in a certain place. Well, that's good because that's you. That's the real you, right? You don't have to feel like you have to pick everything or you have to slur everything or don't live in that world. You just start figuring out what's working for you. So it's not just about how fast you can go. It's becoming aware of what the pick is doing and how you're moving back and forth and all these sorts of things. You don't have to memorize all these movements. They just start happening automatically as you practice the meandering, okay? So number one was fretboard mastery, learning to see and really be able to visualize one position or two positions, pentatonic, diatonic, whatever it is that you're, you're working with, but truly, truly being able to see them. If you can only see them with blinders on in a rudimentary practice, you can't use them in the real world. 
You've got to be able to visualize them. The number two is practicing control of that movement, right? Being able to move back and forth, which is what meandering is. Now, number three, this is really great. Number three, what we do, number three is phrasing, okay? So what we do is we take this meandering that we've been practicing with and without a metronome, right? Practice without a metronome just to get comfortable with the flow of things. Then you put the metronome on and you start trying to develop your ability to be able to move between these. If you add in a new element, like a new position, you're going to need to slow that metronome down again to develop that thing and then bring it back up. You might be able to play really fast with the first two positions, right? I shouldn't say fast, but really comfortable at a certain speed, certain tempo. When you add that third position in, all of a sudden that's new territory. So you've got to drop that metronome down a little bit and befriend this third position. It's got to become part of the other stuff. You see? And again, we're going to talk about all this stuff in great detail in the in Guitar Solos Made Easy 2.0. <coughs> we're going to go way deeper with all this stuff to really get you to understand this. Um, but then number three comes in, which is phrasing. What I love about phrasing is basically what you're going to do is take this meandering that you've been developing, this monster of being able to move around the fretboard. And what you do now is you start actually putting in pauses or stops, where before you were doing it because you weren't strong enough, you weren't capable enough at the tempo, you had to stop on purpose. Now you start stopping because you, you want to, not because you had to physically, mentally, but because you choose to. So now we take this thing. See what I mean? And all of a sudden your music starts sounding like music. You're no longer just playing this rudimentary thing uh, on the fretboard. It, it begins to sound more like music is supposed to sound, right? Now it's not completely there, but that was a great shift from being able to see something, really truly see it, and then start creating with it, gaining control of the movement within what we can see. And then we start cutting it into pieces. Now notice how the pieces that I'm cutting, these phrases, if you will, are different sizes. Sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short. Sometimes they're, they're I stop. But the meandering is still going on. I'm not just going. Right? I've broken out of that rudimentary practice and I'm using the meandering that I've been doing. I'm just now breaking that into different kinds of pieces. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing, you know, up and down the fretboard. Of course you can do that. What I'm saying is most people get stuck doing that. And that's what they do all the time. And then they go, well, why do my solos always sound like scales? Well, as you start learning how to crisscross and back and forth and up and down and jump over things with meandering, it no longer begins to sound like a scale because you're not just going do re mi fa sol la ti, you know, back and forth like this. There's all these other things happening. And as you start breaking it into this phrasing and being aware of, oh, I'll add another one. Perfect. Oh, I'm going to add another one. Here's a secret one. Okay, so this, I'm not going to label this. We're going to call this a secret one. Dynamic contrast or dynamic variance, although people get all crazy because they go, variance isn't a word, but 
I guess it is, but we'll call it dynamic contrast. Dynamic contrast is huge for me, which is if you've been doing something, do something else. Okay. If you were playing long phrases, play a short phrase. If you've been playing a lot, play a little or don't play at all. Stop playing. Play, don't play. Play loud, play soft, play low, play high, right? Pentatonic, diatonic, contrast, always contrasting. If your guitar tone and the volume of your guitar is the same all the time, it gets old. If you play the same way on the guitar over and over and over, it gets old. It gets old for you, it gets old for your, your listener, right? So you're always trying to contrast. This is the secret one, right? So number one, fretboard mastery. Number two, control of movement. Number three, contrast. Small vibrato, big vibrato. Half step bend, whole step bend. No bend. Little slide bend. I mean, just it goes on and on and on. And I go into all kinds of contrasts in the course, okay? But contrast, you, you've got to keep shaking things up. I remember somebody telling me once, it doesn't matter how great a guitar player you are, if you play fast all the time, it gets boring. But please understand, if you play slow all the time, it gets boring, okay? You've gotta shake things up. You've gotta constantly be contrasting. So with phrases, think about that. Big phrases, little phrases. Play, don't play, right? Those are really important. And when you're playing those phrases, you can constantly be thinking about, Right, whatever it might be. Okay, so that's number th uh, number three because we had the secret one, right? So number four, this one's huge for me. And again, we go into great detail. I, I don't mean to keep saying that, but I do. That's that's what I love about this stuff. The vocal elements, hammer-ons, pull-offs, slides, bends, vibrato. Okay. If you learned nothing else, if you just learned the first pentatonic position and you learn nothing else you could still really make that sound great by using these five elements and really learning how to manipulate them, play them with control, with confidence, with comfort, right? Bending, sliding. Let me go through those in order so I don't forget them. Hammer on, pull off, slide, bending and vibrato, okay? So as you're playing, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing, so don't worry about what I'm doing. But my point is that there's picking involved, but there's also hammer-ons and there's pull-offs and there's slides and there's all these things. If I go back to that jam and hopefully it works here.
Okay? So you kind of see what I mean? I'm using my mastery of the fretboard. And again, I when I say mastery, I do not mean that in a egotistical sense. I'm saying there are places I'm very comfortable with going on the guitar with confidence and control, okay? So I'm using that fretboard mastery, my movement. I'm very confident with the way I move around the fretboard. I've done it a billion times, okay? Phrasing, I'm very much aware of trying to make this sound good with phrasing. Contrast, right? The, the, the secret one, right? Dynamic contrast, playing high, playing low, playing loud, playing soft, don't play at all, right? Let notes ring out. Don't let notes, it's all these different kinds of things that we'll talk about, but be aware of that in your playing, even if you don't look at the guitar course, right? Be aware of these things in your playing. Um, so vocal elements, hammer-ons, pull-offs, slides, bends, and vibrato, okay? Developing all of those things confidently, with control, with mastery, right? Oh, it sounds so funny when I say mastery because I just don't even, but you know what I mean. Just always trying to perfect it as best you can, right? All right, and the last thing, number five, is melodic connection. It's one of the elements of purpose, giving ourselves melodic connection, right? So let's say, for instance, um, our chord is a, a G minor, like in this jam track. As I move around the guitar, if I try and go to the note G over that G minor chord, it's going to give my movement my, my motion, direction, and purpose, right? Now, there are many notes that we can go to, and there's many ways that we can learn about different notes that we can play, and we talk about this stuff in the course, but let's just talk about the root, right, G. So if I know where G is, I have a G here, I have a G here, I have a G here, and I have a G over here. I got Gs all over the place, but I got a G here. So as I hear that chord, I might want to direct my motion toward that, that G. Or maybe come down here. Now, G isn't, the, again, G isn't the only note we can target, but it makes logical sense. It's a great place to start if you've never thought about it before. So then let's say it goes to a C minor chord. That's the next chord. I don't know if it is, but let's just say it's C minor is my next chord, right? So C minor. Well, what would be a logical note to try and target? C. Well, we have a C here. We have a C here. So maybe over the C, I try and go to this note. And then here comes G. You see, so now all of a sudden, I've got phrasing, I've got all these other things happening, and I'm using my vocal techniques and my dynamic uh, contrast or variance or whatever. But now I'm giving myself some purpose by directing myself toward chords. As I know that they're coming, as I hear this chord coming, okay, here comes C minor. I can move and direct toward that. Now there's lots of different ways to do this, okay? But this is a great place to start. Now there's other positions on the guitar that you might know, and there's other G's and C's in those positions, and you can you can do all kinds of different things. And if you know some of your, you know, your theory or things like that, you can land on other notes, you can, or emphasize other notes of the chords, which again, we're not gonna open that box of worms right now, but, um, but you get the idea, right? So as the chords are coming along, here comes D minor. 
You don't always have to follow the chords. There's no hard and fast rule to this stuff. I mean, if you're just kind of jamming and it's working and your phrasing is working and you're feeling it or you came across some sort of repetitive lick and that's working, that's great. But dynamic contrast says, okay, when you get done, come on back to a melody. Come on back and make some sort of melodic connection. And then leave again. Go away. Go do something else. So you see that the, the opportunities are kind of infinite on all of the different things that you can do. If you just start thinking outside the box of, well, my teacher told me to learn this position. Yes, absolutely. You got to do that. But there's a ton of other things that you could do on top of that that are really going to send you into more of a creative space. So again, not to take up all of your time, but because I want to close this out pretty quick here, but um, when you practice, like let's say you practice on a daily basis, you know, every day you should definitely work on some sort of technical aspect of your playing which is kind of a rudimentary thing, right? To a certain degree, you know, you're working on scales or positions or whatever it might be with a metronome or whatever. And then you're working on your technique of bending or your technique of vibrato, right? You know, you need more work on getting a better vibrato. So you work on these different kinds of things, okay? To better your ability on the fretboard, better your fretboard mastery, better your technical skills, all these different kinds of things. Maybe you work on speed exercises or something. That's great too. But learn to spend a little time every day in the, what I call the creative space, which is not always being tethered to a metronome. It's just exploring the fretboard and the sounds that your guitar makes and the sounds that you're able to make you know, on a comfort level, right? All the dynamics that you have within yourself and your gear, being able to kind of manipulate those things. And that doesn't happen with a metronome. It happens with paying attention. It happens with exploration right? So this stuff isn't going to make you faster, but it's certainly going to make you more intuitive. It's going to make you more knowledgeable about the sounds that are actually created on this fretboard, right? So when you hear a G minor chord, learning to, to, to go. Now, again, you're not just going to do that if you've never done it before, right? You got to be introduced to these things, which is, again, what the guitar course is for. But but learning to listen and, and hear how the things that you're doing responds to the chord or the music that's being played underneath you. It's really important. So again, my job here today with this uh, webinar is just to try, try and kind of change your thought process on all of the things that are available to you that could really make you into a, a better player. And I don't just mean that technically, I mean the way you feel about yourself, right? Because that's really important. If you feel good and you're having fun, you're going to practice more. You're going to want to do this. You're motivated. And oftentimes as a result of all that, people are going to listen and they're going to, they're going to sense that excitement, right? They're going to sense that motivation in your playing. And that, you know, is a response to an audience. No doubt about it. You know, if you're, if you're digging what you're doing and you're confident with what you're doing, people that listen respond to that, you know, on a positive level for sure. So next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Today what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about the importance of understanding appropriate melody. And by that I mean oftentimes when people go to solo, they, they use their analysis to figure out what key they're in and what scale is appropriate and all of that is important, no doubt about it. 
But oftentimes when we do that, we wind up just putting ourselves in a situation where, again, we've got the right answer, but we're not really making music with that answer. Let me show you what I mean. So in this particular chord progression, what I've got is a D chord and an A chord and a B minor chord and a G chord. So if you know anything about your theory, I'm playing a D, G, and A, which is one, four, and five, and then a B minor, which is six. Hey, Steve Stein here from GuitarZoom.com, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun. If you'd like some help with your guitar playing but you're not sure how to get started, go to GuitarZoom.com and look for the Help Me Choose survey. By answering a few simple questions, you'll get Steve's personal recommendation of the perfect course for you. All this and more is available for you at GuitarZoom.com.